uh, the, the 3G of God, girls, genitals. <laughs> it's a G, it's one, you know? Hi, this is Shashi Saluna from the Tantra Made Easy podcast, and I'm exploring this wonderful topic, how can sex lead us to a spiritual experience? And today I'm very, very excited to be chatting with a friend of mine who is one of the most interesting people um, from the path that he's walked. His name is Ohad Ezrahi. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. Is that right? Ezrahi. Ezrahi, thank you. And uh, he's an author and a facilitator. He was actually, he's actually ordained as a Kabbalist uh, rabbi, and he's also a Dharma holder in the Zen Peacemakers Order. So he's coming from a very rich spiritual background. And he's an author of six books. So I have several more to read, but including this wonderful book called Kadesha, which is about, it's a fictional book, but it's, it's such a powerful, powerful book about the different choices that we make in spirituality and sexuality. We'll talk more about that. Um, final part of the introduction is that he's part of the lead faculty of ISTA, the International School of Temple Arts, which I know many of you have heard of or have joined. So that's the introduction. <sighs> Welcome, Ahmed. Hi. <laughs> so, I'm Shashi. Good to be. Good to see you across the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, when I was when I was thinking about chatting with you, I thought, wow, there's so much of your story that I think is amazing to to share with people because you've so much walked that journey of trying to explore um, spirituality and then how to bring sexuality in alignment with that. So do you want to share a little bit about your your history, your story? Sure. Um, well, it started with a lot of pain, I have to say, around uh, this conflict, um, <clears throat> because from early, early age, I was interested um, in um, Eros. You know, before I was sexual, I was like, as a little boy, I was like really little. I have memories of being two, probably two and a half, maybe three years old still crawling in the crib and, uh, with my friends and being really interested um, in their body and genitals and you know, growing up like that, being interested and also have memories from this age, something like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what ha what's happening in this world? What is this? What is it? I couldn't... I grew up in a very uh, conventional, good uh, family. Like, what, what, where am I? Where am I? It's like really like as if I landed in a, in a, in a place I couldn't believe uh, what I see. Um, and then I grew up like that with these two um, desires, one to know the secret of this world and just not believing that this is it. Like, you know, grow up, go to university, have a job, you know, marry. this kind of, it just couldn't be. <laughs> and, but there wasn't, there weren't any answers back then. I mean, I, I grew up in Israel. I could only read Hebrew. No spiritual books were there in Hebrew back then, only religious books. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I was totally interested in girls um, and, and the mystery that they have. I mean, th this was a mystery as well. You know, <laughs> when, you're, when you're seeking for mysteries, there's just the mystery of the universe and the mystery of girls. Um, <laughs> so, 
um, it was a conflict. And when I be, when I became a teenager, uh, I was already immersed in meditation and shamanism, and you know, from the little that I found, um, finally I I found my own ancestors' religion, Judaism, and the the Kabbalistic path, the Hasidic Kabbalistic path, in it. And I decided to go this way. And part of the reason I decided to go this way, like really, really serious, was because I felt that those two, the um, urge to spirituality, or the, the way I called it back then, uh, the desire to God, to connect with God, and the desires of the body to eat and fornicate, um, were contradictional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, How I, did you deal with that? I mean, you, you chose to become a rabbi, so you really went deep into the spirituality. I didn't choose to become a rabbi. Becoming a rabbi is, is being ordained, and I was ordained many years later, actually. Uh-huh. I chose to immerse myself in the practice and in the study. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't care less about titles. I mean, people wanted to make me a rabbi, and I said, like, you know, my mom wants me to learn in university and get a title and get a degree. <laughs> you, you're telling me to have a degree, a rabbinical degree. I don't. I'm not not interested in that. I'm. Re- I was really, really, honestly interested in learning and connecting with the divine. So I was immersed in prayer, and you know, I was great getting up at three thirty a.m. Uh, going to what we call mikveh, which is um, uh, bathing yourself in fresh water uh, early morning and then going in solitude and studying Kabbalah before dawn and, uh, and, you know, under my prayer shawl and praying, crying and really, really putting my heart on the altar day after day at night after night and studying most likely uh, net 14 hours I think uh, a day wow so in this um, time I'm guessing you were celibate or you didn't have much time for I was, I was celibate for uh, half a year my girlfriend back then uh, came to religion just after me and we got married when I was 18 and a half I mean I joined religion was when I was 18 we were 18, and half a year after, we were married by one of the most important figures in the Kabbalistic Jewish Orthodox world, by the uh, Admo, the rabbi of Belz. You, you wouldn't know it un- unless you're in the <laughs> really Orthodox Jewish world. Uh, he arranged our marriage. He took me under his wings. I was like his kind of um, adopted um, son, so to say. It was very close to him, which is very rare. Mm. You know, it was considered a rare um, honor. It was really an honor. Um, so how did your struggle show up, you know, with what you were learning and reading and surrounded by and your own physical yearnings? And where was the, where was the struggle coming up? Well, the struggle was, so I was married. Mm-hmm. Um, but Orthodox marriage, is, and especially under Hasidic and... and uh, Kabbalistic instructions, sex is not to be enjoyed of. How do they stop you from enjoying it? <laughs> well, you just need to poison the mind to say that uh, if you have pleasure, this is uh, you, you're taking yourself down. Like you need to take yourself up to the divine 
you need to have sex. It's a paradox. And you, you have to have sex once a week uh, on Shabbat, on Friday night. You have to have sex. It's a, it's a mitzvah. It's, it's part of the Jewish law to have oh, sex. Wow. Um, when the woman is um, not in her bleeding time, which in Judaism takes half of the month, like 12 days, basically. I wouldn't go to all the details, but yeah, yeah. Um, it takes kind of 12, between 10 and 12 days, uh, usually 12, 12 days, um, that she can't have sex. So, you know, once a week in the other two weeks, which means <laughs> twice a month. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was in my... 19th and 20th and I was you know when the early 20s when you're really your blood is the body the body the animal wants mm. wants to have sex but um my heart was like yearning for the divine and my what I learned is that uh, if you feel the pleasure you're taking yourself down uh to to the carnal world um, and your, the desire was to actually separate from the body. I mean, so different from what we're doing today, but to actually yeah. separate from the body and be completely in consciousness um, and while having sex. So actually, even the little pleasure that the body feels, because the body has to feel pleasure, yeah. otherwise it would function, you give it up to the divine on the altar. Mm. And... For men, um, any uh, spilling of of semen uh, out of the womb of a woman is uh, the the most worst sin ever. Oh wow! Even if it's happening at night, when you're you know dreaming, so wet dreams are a big sin. <laughs> but it's biological. <laughs> it's biological, of course, but there, yeah. there's a fight, there's a struggle against biology, you know, yeah. against the body. When you're actually in a, in, a, in a battle against the body, you're actually f trying to fight it. And of course, it's, uh, uh, no one can actually win it. And if you actually win it, you win over your body and the body is not happy and it comes up in other ways. The body is not happy. The body revenge is in uh, other ways as illnesses and stuff like that. So when did it start to change? If you're completely indoctrinated in this world and this belief structure, how on earth did you get out of it? Like what? What the funny thing, Yeah, the funny thing is that in the core of the mysticism of Judaism, it's all about sexuality. Huh. Yeah, and when and because I was studying Kabbalah and I was I was uh, considered very you know in high levels in that and was uh, accepted to the closed uh, places. I was in my twenties. I was studying with people in their sixties and seventies and um, very orthodox, like the old time uh, study place in Jerusalem. So I, I had the approach to to the, a lot of the core texts that usual, usual, usually people don't learn. And then you start to see that if the core of everything is actually the sacred union, the heroes gamas between all kinds of, there are different levels, very much like Tibetan Buddhism, mm -hmm. uh, different levels of, end, of, of spirit that are um, 
symbolized as um, divine characters, and it's all about uh, them um, unifying, <laughs> having, making love. So actually through these texts, you started to realize that sex might actually be not something to overcome, but, but actually a doorway. Yeah, and then I found a, a text from one of the main Kabbalists in, um, actually not so long ago, in the 19th century, the beginning of the 19th century. Um, and he, in, he confessed the same. He said, at the beginning of my, of my study, I thought that having sexual pleasure is a sin. Um, and, um, and I was trying to really avoid it. And then later... God gave me this realization, and, and it's a real gift. And I understood that pleasure is sacred. And the meaning, the meaning of sacred sexuality is not avoiding pleasure, but actually going deep into the secrets of pleasure. Mm. Wow. And he said, and, this is, and this, this is a great secret that, you know, kind of when... when in uh, Kabbalah, when they say a secret, they don't mean that it's not to be spoken about, but that it cannot be revealed because, you know, secrets are things that even when you speak about, a person cannot understand unless they experience it. Experienced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you began to, re to get access to these secrets. Luckily in your 20s, because I guess the rest of the guys were in their 60s and by then... You know, <laughs> they've gone so long with another way. And yeah, so then, I, then what happened? Like, did you, did you and your wife want to start exploring or did you go out? started very, very slow because I was so, you know, I was in the Vatican of Judaism. You know, I was like in the, in Jerusalem, in the world of, of Kabbalah. And I, I got, I started to ask questions that I wasn't supposed to ask. Yeah, <laughs> um, and at the beginning, this uh, people are very kind with me, the, my teachers. But slowly, they started to kind of spiritually threaten me uh, that you know I'm leading myself to hell. You know that I'm kind of guiding. I'm I'm leaving the pathway, and it's gonna it's going to take its revenge from me, even if the, in the beginning I feel it's all good and ta da da So I, I moved, we moved very, very slowly. And at the beginning we, we moved within the Orthodox world from one group to another, a little more open. I, and I really went deep into, into Kabbalah, like really to understand deeper and deeper um, and to... That took me also to academy, um, to study Kabbalah in academy, because I wanted to understand, to learn things that in the orthodox places they wouldn't teach you, because there are, you know, texts that are considered the heretics of Kabbalah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, in academy, they have those texts. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, of course, once you're exposed to those texts, <coughs> There were Kabbalists all over the place and all over the time that were, you know, crazy mystics. And part of them have, some of them had crazy experiences that are also sexual, like, you know, sexual ceremonies, um, sexual orgies um, as a sacred ceremonies, um, homosexuality, um, 
I, this is I, I'm not uh, I'm not gay. I'm totally not gay, but I don't totally appreciate it and you know for it. Um, but they some of them were gay. Um, you know, many times I think gay people are actually so open-minded because they're wired in a different way. So some gay Kabbalists actually, of course, the name wasn't there, but uh, they had also uh, same-sex relationship and explored that and mm -hmm. things that in the religious world were no-no. Mm -hmm. So you started to find the fringes of the, the spiritual world or the religious world, in fact, that were pushing those boundaries and those edges. Yeah. And, and that began to open the doors for you. Yeah. And as well, I started to, I came back to all kind of, you know, other uh, spiritual paths. So I re-enrolled into my Buddhist interest and my shamanic interest. I was in touch with uh, uh, Native American shamanism and walk this way. I'm actually honored to hold um, a Chanupa of uh, Lakota um, that uh, was, I was given as a recognition um, ordained to have sweat to run uh, sweat lodges and stuff like that. And back to the, my interest in Zen Buddhism um, and was kind of recognized as Dharma holder in the Zen. So I started to, do, and Sufism, um, which I'm not uh, ordained in any way, but I was working with Sufis for also for peace work, just started to expand the, uh, open the envelope of religion mm. um, to inter-religious conversations and dialogues and experiences. And then I opened my ashram. I left the, in 2000, I left the religious world. Um, with a kick in my ass, like after they couldn't bear me anymore, they actually, <laughs> things that they said, I mean, were too much. I was asked either to deny what I said, to deny my truth, or to leave. Mm. Wow, that's a big moment, huh? It was a big moment. When you've given your whole life and given so much time to a system, when they finally say, you either conform to us or you leave, it's like, huge to follow yeah. you in that is a really big thing i had three little children um and you know i could have a good future there being uh, a, a teacher i was a teacher and that's how i you know made my living yeah. I, was a teacher. I was offered even you know i was seducted to to know that they're planning big plans on me as a teacher um but I couldn't, uh, you know, I'm a truth seeker. So yeah. my truth is like, death is better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I left everything and I said, you know, God will take care of me. Uh, I basically chose God and not religion. Mm. Oh, that's a nice line. <laughs> I love it. And so you, with, that, with that in mind, you went off and created your own ashram. Yeah. Yeah, I called it Yeshiva Ashram. Yeshiva is the Jewish uh, study place. So I call it Yeshiva Ashram. And we, I found a place by the Dead Sea. It's actually the place where the Easter festival is happening now. Same, same, oh. same place, exactly. Wow. Um, yeah, and um, we just, my wife and I just moved there and said, like, you know, whoever is interested, come. 
and people started to come and we started to have activities and it was like a lab basically of let's yeah. let's throw any dogma and let's try everything and that um, included sexual explorations it at the beginning it didn't have much sexual explorations just openness yeah. later we started to explore open relationships and polyamory the word polyamory didn't exist uh, not in not in israel at least yeah. but uh but one of my big desires was actually to feel love beyond the confinement of of the two mm-hmm. um and uh and we were in a very close community and we loved each other so how do we celebrate that <clears throat> so once i actually i was pushing to go this way to open relationships and i have to say many of my um f- supporters didn't like it some of my students really loved it and went with it several of my supporters the financial supporters of the ashram didn't like it uh-huh. um and i was confronted again with the same thing wow so it was quite public it's not like you could just it's your own interest it's like you're a spiritual leader in some way or at least yeah. a leader I'm so a spiritual leader whatever i do is uh public yeah yeah and and also if my students are making poor mistakes uh in the path of of how to open the relationships which they did yeah <laughs> uh, kind of against my advice uh people put it on my on my account yeah 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 right uh, which is fair enough uh that's okay but um <laughs> <laughs> so at the, at that time uh, my wife back then realized that that's actually not her path mm-hmm. like polyamory is not her path she totally it, it was beautiful we were together since we were teenagers in high school wow um so but she realized she said like you know i really appreciate this is your path and i i tried it it's not for me mm-hmm. um we love each other let's separate let's go different ways uh, because you need to explore what you need to explore and i i don't yeah. i need a different thing and so we separated um and our, i i really remember this um german lady that was in our divorce ceremony we did a divorce ceremony in the community mm. and this divorce ceremony was more full of love than many of the weddings that have been <laughs> <laughs> Wow, amazing. And so how about sexuality? Like after all of that learning that pleasure was against godliness, what mm-hmm. began to change in your exploration? Did you try particular techniques or just by, you know, just by opening yourself did did new experiences come? Yeah, of course, both. Um you know, I'm a curious guy, so I I uh, studied whatever I could back then, started to open the world and also the literature to tantric uh experiences taoist uh, methods you know breathing mula bandha moving energy kundalini <clears throat> i was exposed to a lot of that and and practiced a lot of that nevertheless uh i'm not into uh excess practice in in these ways like my main experiences didn't come from doing this or that specific practice breathing this specific way my main um connection to spiritual sexuality came from 
putting my heart on the altar. Mm. Um, in the midst of lovemaking and really melting into love that is going beyond the personal mm-hmm. and loving God, goddess, the divine through the person I'm, I'm making love with or the persons, if it's a group sexual experience, it's, it's going beyond the body into the soul and even beyond the soul to the, to divine love. It's actually loving love itself mm-hmm. um, through the act of love making. And is that mostly an, an intention, just like intending to love beyond the personal? Um, and, it, and intending it, to see the person's soul or? It's an intention, but it's not, uh, in, when we say intention, it's more of a, uh, can be like a thought, uh, but this is more of a heart direction, where the heart is, attra- what's attracting me, because my, what's, what attracted me always since my, babyhood was the mystery of love the mystery of the divine so it's basically orienting my own my inner direction towards what's anyway is uh attracting me Mm -hmm. which i just realized yeah i started we started to speak about the 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 way that i at the beginning i thought those two you know the girls and um and god that this g and that g are going different And what I realized at the at that at a certain point is that there is only one G, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or the, the three G of God, girls, genitals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a G. It's one, you know. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I started to realize that actually through the my experiences with the women and with the, the the pleasure of genitals, I am connecting to God. Mm-hmm. God, God is divine realms. And this is what for me is sacred sexuality. For me, sacred sexuality is very simple. It's when I have a, an ex, a sexual experience that functions like a, a doorway, like a gate to, to connect with divine realms. Mm-hmm altering consciousness and i had many of those like uh, so it, what happened actually is at that time i started to download like while making love and especially with with uh, my beloved today dawn who's my wife now um when we started to make love this way i started to get downloads of you know teachings and meditations and practices and all kind of things today i'm teaching those things in ista in my own workshops um mainly it was like just downloads that came from personal experience and not something that i read in books and now i'm you know preaching it back but I read those books, but what's sitting in my heart is what I got from personal experience. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's listening who who has very three-dimensional sex? It just you know just feels this kind of like routine, and they have sex and like, and they want a taste of divine lovemaking. Is there some way you could guide them? You know, like what to do <laughs> to get there. 
where I would first ask if they were, is it they feel any kind of divine feelings? Um, is it in nature or is it in meditation? Is it when you go to church or synagogue or temple, whatever it is, what is it when you speak about connecting to the divine? Where do you have a taste of that? Mm-hmm. And track that, actually. Track where, where you have the opening, track that, and how, do you, how can you bring love and lovemaking into that? Mm. Um, so if it's in nature, for instance, so bring, walk with your beloved in nature. It doesn't need to be have sex in nature first because it will take you away from uh, from the feeling at the beginning. But bring your beloved to to nature and try to um, feel together this experience. Invite them to the experience of opening to the divine, to what you feel. Uh, sit in meditation, hug, cuddle, breathe, open. Many things happen when you embrace um and instead of bringing your focus down to this specific nipple or clitoris or whatever it is you open up Mm. your consciousness so you are aware of here is my beloved and you open up your consciousness to, hey, we are here on these rocks, mm-hmm. under these trees, there are birds here, there are ants, there are the sky. So really opening up, opening consciousness while you're together. Mm-hmm. So, so it's you not- to fuse the expansive experience with that sort of focus we have of connection and, and actually not compromise one or the other, but bring them together. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if, if this is if, if it's nature, if it's in nature, if it's in church, do the same in church. You know, find a private. I, I, we Don and I, we made all kind of weird, so to say, bizarre sexual experiences with the uh, Jewish sacred places and and items and stuff like that because stuff that was moving for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so connect instead of separating those two uh, actually bringing them together right yeah so then therefore things like in fact i remember if i can share being with you and on a friday night and how we were in a very intimate space with a group of people and that you were singing lots of spiritual songs and some people were singing and holding ritual and some people were making making love making out being a connection and it was so beautiful to um to fuse you know rather than like now we get all dressed up and sit and sing spiritual songs and and then we go to a secret place and make love just having a space that welcomed all of it i thought that was i find that really beautiful to not have separation so things like that as well right where absolutely if you um if you have a connection to god through listening to spiritual music you could actually put that on while having an intimate experience and just get over the the glass ceiling that has separated those two for so long yeah and it's in many many cultures the the separation between the spiritual experiences and sexual experiences um it's the dichotomy is so strong um yeah, and it, it's, it, started, it started long ago when monotheistic religions came to, to the surface and, and they created that because in ancient religions, um, 
pagan religions uh, say what we do today is sexual shamanism was part of the path um, and that's my book the shah is all about that time actually as a historical novel um, this is in the in the near east but i also lately i was so we we were so fortunate to encounter some peruvian shamans um a man and a woman that were educated not by the christianized most most of the yeah. even um natives are christianized right you know, but they they were educated far in the mountains in a place that the, the there's there are little villages far far that the spanish people didn't bother yeah yeah uh, <laughs> so they don't speak they don't speak spanish there and they were never christianized they were never so the doctoring of separation between sexuality and shamanism never never got there mm, how interesting so yeah. why do you think that separation was created i mean as someone who studied religion so deeply why did so many religions dis create this 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 teaching do you think they genuinely believe it and they're trying to protect people or is it a way to control people or do you have your theory on that yeah they're both uh that they genuinely believe it um so there is a try to help people ascend mm -hmm. and there is also a, there is also a political level that there is a con it's easier to control people that their sexuality is controlled mm -hmm. but it's the same thing because um many religions especially um when the they're patriarchal religions um are trying to ascend the masculine is trying to ascend basically mm -hmm. so even even religions uh, that actually embraced sexuality like you can find it actually a lot in tantra um in different aspects of tantra um that embracing sexuality but actually not embracing it because you need to sublimate it yeah yeah which means actually there's something wrong in in the animal body that it becomes okay or sacred only if you sublimate it and you bring the energy up the chakras. Uh, it's a subtle way of saying there's something wrong with the. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've come across this, and it's like yeah. you know, I've joined one tantric yoga school where you had to sublimate every bit of pleasure before you'd even experienced it, and I started to feel like I I love to sublimate, but I'm going to experience it fully first and just sublimate it when I want to have that divine experience. But I'm going to have the human experience first, and yeah, it's thinking, but it can be put in the teachings that these are lower chakras and lower feelings, and you got to move it up as fast as possible. And again, it's I totally picked up on that message that you share. That yeah. when you read that some of these Tibetan tantric scriptures, you hear about these wild women <coughs> in the jungles. You know they have such a different interpretation of what tantra was about <coughs> excuse me yeah so, you know definitely and i think in some ways maybe it's just each teacher if they haven't resolved their own religious conditioning they can sneakily kind of bring it in even if they're teaching tantra or learning tantra and yeah kind of Christianizes uh, even those teachings. I read once that the, the texts from Tantra were originally translated into English by Victorian British men. And so they put their own slant on it all and, and sort of presented it a certain way. And then this female academic, um, she, she retranslated everything 
And she found that the teachings were, you know, completely different from the way they had translated it. So it's very difficult to, <laughs> to find like a pure teaching other than through our own bodies, I think. Exactly. And our own bodies are sacred texts. And the thing is that sublimation is not, is not the only way and it's not needed even when you, when you sanctify the lower chakras. And that's what we say in Easter is not an ascending path. Easter is a descending path as, as much as an ascending path. Mm -hmm. So the, the masculine is, as I said before, is trying to ascend all the time because yeah. the, the uh, material world is, is more feminine by nature, like nature itself is feminine. And the masculine is trying to escape. And when, it's un, when it's unhealthy, is basically trying to escape nature and control it. Science that is trying to understand nature and put it in, in laws and in boxes um, is kind of giving up today in, in the trying to make nature logic because nature is not logic. Nature in you know, quantum physics, it's paradoxical. Yeah. And the fundamental of nature is, is feminine in that way. It doesn't go into this logic. So the, the, the aspiration to uh, ascend is, uh, is genuine in the heart of the masculine when it's undeveloped enough to meet the feminine in, it, in her power. So then they want to ascend. So meditation that is ascending or um, sublimating the animal body, uh, saying that it will be sac sacred if we you know, bring the energy up, that's one way. Mm -hmm. But being mature enough spiritually to actually go down mm. and meet con with conscious, go take consciousness and take uh, spiritual awareness and bring it down to emotions. First of all, that's another thing. Many schools are kind of bypassing emotions, mm -mm. Uh, trying to control emotions, but no, meeting your emotions and your dark emotions and then meeting your sexuality mm. in the second sacred second chakra um meeting the sacred reality with consciousness not trying to control it and not trying to sublimate it but actually penetrate it with consciousness itself then the spirit the sexual experience which is by nature like a feminine uh, experience even in men doesn't matter when she's penetrated it by consciousness she's opening up and and that's what what I mean by you know going in a different way. And then you go you can even go down to the base chakra where issues of money and survival and fear of of survival uh, sits. And that's that's a a whole different um, uh, level of, of of work. But what we're talking about and what we're working uh, is. Um, having the descend as a spiritual path, or is it so more like a, not an, spiritual. Embodiment, an embodiment mm -hmm. of consciousness rather than a transcending into consciousness? So, more like how do we bring consciousness into this body rather than how do we leave this body to get a taste of consciousness, right? Exactly, and then you be and and then you become a human being, you know, that's the fucking funny thing <laughs> as a human being. I mean, it's I'm always amazed. Like, we are humans, we have an asshole, and we have the crown. That's how we're made. We have genitals, and we have eyes and consciousness. That's how we're made by the divine. 
why cut it into pieces and deny parts? Mm -hmm. Actually, what we are here to do is to claim it all. Mm -hmm. Can you be like really with, you know, open consciousness and know how to meditate, but also appreciate this animal and the animal body and the feelings and the emotions and the desires and bring them all together. It's a path of integration. Yeah. Oh, I love that word. And so do you think if you, if you zoom back to your 20 year old self who had these, these yearnings for spiritual, you know, for God, for divinity, for union, actually, and, and now you sit where you are now, do you think that, 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 this is the way of that you feel fulfilled that you could go back to that 20 year old self and say, this is it. Don't leave the self come in. Is it, has it brought that fulfillment? Yeah. I many times actually uh, remember specific points of confusion and, and send myself back in time to meet mm. this uh, young man and to call him to the path. And I, I don't think time is linear actually. I actually, in some weird way, I can remember that in those times I had some kind of a feeling, which is maybe even the feeling of me today connecting with the past, you know, yeah. like back then sitting there and feeling, no, 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 there is a place, there is another way to go. You can hear your future voice on the wind, like calling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about um, people who are in the religious path who might have stumbled across this podcast and are listening and, and they're, and they're thinking, do I have to give this up? You know, like I love my religion, but I, but I want to embrace my sexuality. What would you say to them? That in the depth of it, there is no uh, contradiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go beyond the dogma of religion and, and if you understand also that I mean, anyone who is in religion, uh, deep enough knows that there is a lot of politics uh, yeah. behind it. And there is also a, a wish to control the people um, and make them uh, good believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the best ways to control people is controlling their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe not only religions knew that, but also subconsciously also empires and, you know, um, the states knows it. That's why the state, every state today, still have something to say about who you sleep with and who you have sex with and who you're not, which is completely weird in some ways. <coughs> um, so, those who want to be in their religion and embrace their religion, but to go in sacred sexuality path, uh, I would say that most likely, if you just dive deep, if you're courageous enough to go to the core of both religion and sexuality, you'll find that they are connected and they love each other. And you can enrich your sexual experience through your religious, and you can enrich your religion by actually bringing the truth that you feel in, in love, through love and, and pleasure, and enrich your actually religious realizations. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wow, thank you so much. Well, gosh, these are such great topics. We've already reached the end of our time. Um, mm-hmm. but it's really just wonderful to chat with you about all these things because I know there are so many people out there who struggle and, and how many religions give people a sense of shame and guilt around their sexuality. So it's just so beautiful to mm-hmm. hear your story. 
And that just reminds me, I'm, I recorded a whole uh, internet course about Kabbalah and sacred sexuality. Great. Yeah, it's, I'll, put, I'll put links to your website next to this so people can find more of you. And I just want to say again to everyone listening or watching that your book is so amazing. I recommend it to so many people. It's available, available on Amazon. Amazon, it's called Kedesha. I'll put a link for that as well because I found it uh, absolutely, I could not put it down. It was one of those books that I, it was like a page turner. I read it and then my lover started reading it at the same time and we both had it on our Kindles and we're like, <laughs> it's fantastic. And I think it's actually one of the most powerful way to bring across all of these ideas rather than just saying it's like this, it's like this. Bringing it through the story is... And it's a historical story which is unknown to most people. Yeah, they're really fantastic great well thank you so much thank you, Shashi. pleasure to talk with you, talk with you. <laughs>